Good evening. Uh, my name's Kieran, if you don't know me. I have the privilege of working here. Uh, and tonight we're continuing a series that we've been looking at over the last few weeks about the key principles that, uh, that shape our gathering times. And tonight we're looking particularly at this word called participatory. Parti- I can't even say it probably. Participatory, right? Uh, at NBC we ask the question, are we being participatory in our gatherings? Are we intentionally making disciples of everyone? Everyone. So we're going to explore what this means uh, by focusing on one concept that we as a church have been felt led to focus on, uh, to embrace in our gatherings, and that's to be intergenerational. That is, we want to see all generations gathering to learn from God's Word and build one another up. And so tonight we're going to explore the idea of being intergenerational uh, by doing a few things. We're going to firstly have a look, and most importantly, have a look at what the Bible says about it by jumping into Psalm 78 for a brief amount of time. But then we're going to dive into three stories from our congregation that are going to inspire us as we see this principle in action, right? And story one is a young bloke who's grown up in our church, who's been blessed and formed uh, by intergenerational relationships. Story two is a lady who's a few decades advanced from that uh, first young bloke. Um, I don't know how to say it nicely. Uh, but um, and she's going to be sharing with us uh, what it's like and the blessing it is for her to see a group of vibrant young Christians gather to worship together. And for story number three, we're actually going to be participating together in an intergenerational story, which I'm really excited about, as we gather with Andy and Beck Frakes to dedicate their child, Harrison, and make a commitment as a church to be a vital part of his faith story. So I'm pretty pumped about that. I'm excited to hear the stories that our church community has for us tonight. So let's pray as we look into God's Word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word, that you're gracious to reveal yourself to us through it. And we pray that you'll give us open ears. Um, please encourage, challenge, and lead us uh, towards a greater unity and a greater understanding of you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Uh, if your family's anything like mine, you've got certain traditions that you want to pass on through the generations, right? Uh, and it might be uh, different types of things. The way you gather at Christmas, the way you celebrate birthdays. <clears throat> well, for me and my family, there's, there's a family legacy, right, that's passed down from one generation to another. Something bittersweet. Mainly bitter, uh, to be honest. Uh, It's almost like a genetic malfunction that's painful, yet in some sick way, you're happy to see the next generation exhibited as well. So then you're not alone, right? Um, What I'm referring to, actually, is uh, the family legacy of supporting the mighty South Sydney Rabbitohs, right? Um, Now, as you can see, the indoctrination began early. Uh, here's, Here's a picture of young Kieran dressed as... I suppose what can only be described as a bogan Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> and it, start, it started well, right? I knew the stories. I knew the stories of the mighty red and green, the exploits of John Sattler with his broken jaw and the little master Clive Churchill who, who was born in Newcastle, my hometown, right? Uh, my dad even worked for Smith's Crisps, where if you remember, they were the title sponsor of the Rabbitohs. And so he was able to get me into the Rabbitohs dressing rooms after... I lost to Newcastle one day up, in, um, up at Marathon Stadium, right? And so I, I went along, went into the dressing room, met the great Mario Fennec, who at the time was uh, the Rabbitohs captain, and I went home with a pair of socks worn by our goal kicker, Mark Ellison, in that very game, which mum was super stoked about when I brought them home. <clears throat> but alas, something went long, wrong along the way. Maybe it was the lack of success 
Uh, maybe it was teenage rebellion, but, but I forgot the story of the cardinal and myrtle uh, and was seduced by the glossy allure of what can only be described as a glorified seagull. Um, <laughs> and that's me there, about 14, in, in the cent- like at the front, wearing... That's just disgusting, isn't it? Uh, wearing a manly, wearing a seagull's jersey, right? Now, now th- I'm going to get rid of that. It's freaking me out, right? Um, <clears throat> thankfully, I saw the error of my ways. Uh, a few years later, I think that was 97, a few years later, when Souths were unjustly booted from the competition in the year 2000, I rallied to the battle cry to join the faithful remnant to rebuild the glorious walls of Redfern. Uh, and <laughs> it's a journey that's been uh, long and arduous, but well and truly vindicated that beautiful October night in 2014, when the immortal words of glory, glory to South Sydney resounded from the toothless mouths of red and green people <laughs> in ANZ Stadium, right? Uh, now, beautiful story, uh, but, but think back to those years where I had forgotten. I'd forgotten. And there's something tragic about forgetting uh, your very roots and forgetting the thing that has defined you and made you in the first place. And look, I know football is really quite a trivial example, but in Psalm 78 that we all wonderfully read together tonight, it actually relates to that. It recounts the many times that Israel, God's people, forgot their story forgot their roots, forgot what formed them and made them as a people. Uh, It recounts, Psalm 78 is really quite long, we didn't read all of it tonight, but it recounts uh, the many, many times they rebelled from God. They forgot who they were, they ignored his word, and they forgot what he had done in their life. And it's tragic. And so, the purpose of this psalm was to keep future generations from doing that. To keep future generations from forgetting and rebelling and walking away. And how do they do that in the psalm? Well, by teaching the next generation. Teaching the next generation. It's mentioned six times in the psalm. If you have a look, Psalm 78, my people hear my teaching, listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from our descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so that the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Time and time again, how do you stop, how do you stem the flow? How do you stop people from rebelling and forgetting? You tell your children. You pass on the message. And if we as a church believe that Jesus is God's son who died to take the punishment for our sin, rose again to grant us eternal life and, and promises to return and remake the world, then and really, if we really believe it, we need to pass it on. We don't want it to die with us, right? Uh, we know that it's just as relevant now as what it was 2,000 years ago. And so we're going to make an effort to share it with those younger than us so that they in turn would do the same. So that they in turn would do the same. How do we do this? Well, at NBC, we do it in a number of ways. Uh, we cater for all age groups. <clears throat> in the new format, as Leon mentioned before, 9.30 and 5, we'll be having full kids and youth ministry at both. We'll gather together for times of worship and learning, and then we'll separate to, to have times where we can learn more specifically uh, to our age and developmental stage, right? So we'll have time for kids to learn. We'll have toasties for youth to learn. Throughout the week also, we have uh, Kids Arvo, Friday Night Youth, we have youth community groups, uh, we have things for seniors, we have things for really little kids and everyone else in between. 
right? We want to make sure that everyone is being taught and included. But, but more than just those like separate gatherings of different generations, we want our Sunday gatherings to be a place where all generations can be together. So we, we want our Sunday services uh, to be designed in such a way that will allow young people to be with old people and everything in between. It's actually harder. It's easy to run an old ser- uh, a service for old people with hymns and that sort of stuff and a service for younger people that's like really cool or whatever, right? um, which I won't be at, obviously. Um, we intentionally make it harder for ourselves, Leon mentioned a few weeks ago, by by wanting to be intergenerational, because we believe it's biblical, and we believe that it's something that's not found elsewhere in society. We want to be a place where we can learn and grow together and develop relationships across the generations. It's the church's responsibility to pass on God's truth to the next generation. But you're the church, right? So it's your responsibility too. It's not just something we do from the pulpit or through our programs. So whether it's your own children or other people's children or other people's grandparents or parents, we want you to develop relationships with one another that are across the ages and stages in the church. But it's not one-way traffic. Often we can think it's up to the older people to pass it on to the younger people, and and that's true, but it, it goes the other way as well, as we'll be looking at a little bit later. We see heaps of examples in the Bible where, yeah, it works the other way. Young people are expected to encourage and teach older people. Timothy, you might be aware, was a young church leader. Uh, He was told this by his mentor, Paul. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. So a young church leader, probably half the age of many people in his congregation, even even younger, was encouraged to set an example it's, it seems countercultural, doesn't it? It's meant to be the older people setting example for younger people, but, but in our faith, it works the other way as well. His youth wasn't a barrier. Uh, he was to set an example. So young people, let your faith for God uh, and love for others be a shining example to others in the church. Don't assume that because someone's older than you or been a Christian for longer than you or been in this church for longer than you that they've got it all together. Uh, they probably need what you have to teach them, what you have to show them, just as much as, as you need what they have. Jesus' disciples are another example of younger people called by God. These dudes were probably in their early 20s, and they were entrusted with a message that would go on to change the world. Think about that. Early 20s, these guys were called to leave their jobs, risk their lives, put their lives on the line to share this message. Uh, David, Samuel, the little slave girl in the book of uh, Numbers who led Naaman to be healed. Uh, The Bible's filled with stories of young people, even little children, setting examples for all of us. So it works both ways. Think of Mary, Jesus' mother, whose faith and song of praise is just remarkable. Uh, Her depth of knowledge and willingness to go on this crazy journey with God is is mind-boggling and an example for all of us, from a girl who was probably early teens. And what about Jesus' encouragement? Mark chapter 10, verse 15, whoever doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. We we need to be like children if we want to be part of God's family and part of God's kingdom. There's plenty for us to learn uh, from people younger than us. The teaching works both ways. We all need each other, regardless of your age or stage of life that we're in. And, 
And to, to illustrate that, as I said before, there's three different stories we're going to look at tonight. Uh, and we're going to start with the first one tonight. And we'd like to invite up our first storyteller, Daniel Brocklebank. Please welcome Daniel. <laughs> right, before you tell your story, I've just got a couple of questions. Please tell us your name. Daniel Brocklebank. Cool, I already told him that. <laughs> um, how would you describe yourself, right? You've got to pick one of these. Young adult, old teenager, man child, <laughs> or man baby? Man. Um, uh, somewhere between the old teenager and man child, probably. Okay, cool. <laughs> Good answer. And how long have you been at NBC? Um, well, longer than I can remember. Cool. <laughs> Sweet. Your whole life, right? Yes. Yes, there you go. Well, would you please tell us your story? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Um, so, Kieran um, asked me to come up and share uh, what ministries I've sort of have invested in me at NBC and the importance of different generations in investing in each other and all serving together. Um, so, <laughs> talking about um, ministries that have been invested in me is basically um, trying to compress a summary of my life story into five minutes. So I will try and cover everything that I can think of. Um, so um, to start, in primary school, I went to Kids Arvo up until uh, about year five, back when it was big enough to split between the Stead's garage and the cottage when that was still there. Um, now, the three main things I remember from Kids Arvo are playing King Caractacus at the cottage. Um, classic game. If you don't know it, you're missing out. Uh, second thing I remember is uh, John Nist when he was a leader, probably because he was loud and American. Um, and the third thing I remember was frantically trying to remember all the memory verses every week. Uh, there may or may not have been a lolly prize, if you remembered it. But those are the three things that I remember a lot from um, Kids Arvo when I went there. Um, also in primary school, I uh, went all the way through Sunday school. Um, so memorable things from that was um, the years three and four dream team that was Gary Kidd and my dad, Alan, um, they were the dream team. Um, part of the reason was uh, Gary Kidd would do the end-of-term pool parties in the summer, and my dad would do the end-of-term uh, movie nights in the winter. So that was just the coolest thing when you were in year three and four, especially because um, when I was in the younger years at Sunday school, all these older year three and four kids would come for the movie nights to my dad's house, and I was like, wow, they're so cool. I just want to do that. And then um, following that in year five and six was Angie Simmons. Um, if you ask her, she'll say she didn't teach me anything. Um, but that's not true. That's a big lie. And uh, um, as evidence, um, I've been reading One Kings recently and somehow remembered that after King Solomon came Jeroboam in the north and Rehoboam in the south, 
And I was like, how on earth did I remember that? And the answer is um, Sunday school. So, Angie, you, I do remember things that you taught me. Um, <laughs> see, she, she says she didn't teach me anything. <laughs> um, uh, I also remember from um, Sunday school, uh, Tony Dawson coming in like every second week and uh, telling us about sponsor kids that um, Sunday school was sponsoring and about um, the importance of uh, giving to people in more need than we are. And so even though that was only like a couple of minutes every week, I still remember that from Sunday school. Um, uh, So then in year six, I could go to youth group as well. And so that was led by Travis and then Daniel Leach, who still leads now. Um, I, I remember that um, when I started going to youth, being so amazed at how good Travis's um, talks were, because to my 12-year-old brain, they were easier than the ones on Sunday and also a lot shorter. Um, so that helped. Um, and I also had lots of small group leaders who prayed for me and discussed things with me, like the talk topics, uh, name a few, Adrian Adaman, Daniel Leach as well, and James O'Malley. Um, also in high schools, Toasties on Sundays, so Alex Norris and Daniel Leach running Bible studies, and then also Daniel um, did a Bible study for a couple of years ago um, with a few other guys. Um, so now the point of this me rambling on about my childhood, you're probably getting a little bit bored, but um, the point is, is that um, uh, all these different people invested into me to make me uh, the Christian I am today. Um, When Kieran asked me to do this, he gave me Psalm 78 to read through, which we um, all read together in verse 4. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonder he has done. Um, All these people, ranging from people my parents' age to people only a couple of years older than me, uh, guided me through school and, like, continue to do so now. Um, And now I can do the same at Kids Arvo and Youth Group. Um, Like, um, at Youth, I can lead alongside Daniel Leach and James O'Malley, who led me. Um, At Kids Arvo, I can look off, like, I can tell the same message to Travis's kids and Kieran's kids. And um, in January, I'll be leading alongside my dad at Summer Kids, and he led me, and now I'm leading other kids as well. So because of all the people from different generations discipling me, I can work alongside them and do the same for the next generation. So that's the story. Thank you.
It's really cool. So many different generations. Uh, people from probably every generation across the church life have invested in, in this one young man's life. And now he's doing the same. Uh, the next story uh, is someone, as I said, a few years advanced uh, from Daniel. Uh, Julie Simpson, would you please join us up here? Yeah. Please welcome Julie. pleasure. Thank you. Now I've got a couple of questions for you. Please tell us your name. <laughs> Julie Simpson. Cool. That's good. Um, that's an easy one. Now what about this one? How would you describe yourself? Uh, choose one of these. 21 to the power of something. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> an old young lady, uh, a young senior, or I used to be with it, but then they changed what it was and now what I'm with isn't it anymore. I... <laughs> Don't know. I'm an old young lady. Old young lady, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And how long have you been with us at NBC for? Oh, well, I really don't know because I'm old and I forget things. (laughs) (laughs) However, um, I used to be at the Anglican Church down there at St. Face, that great great Mm. place down there. And my family circumstances changed, so I had to find a different hour to worship. And Mm. this place was just the right place for me. And when I was baptised... On the 29th of November 2015 with Robin Walters and Sharon by, um, in the lake with yes. Leon, my cake said that date. So I was here well before then, yes. but I don't know. Yes. Only counts once you get baptised. So, yeah. <laughs> cool. so I found out. <laughs> Would you please tell us your story? Thanks, Julie. <laughs> okay, right. Well, I came um, to six o'clock service after my husband died in July last year. I came to this service because I remembered how I enjoyed the youth services that this um, church had run for all congregations from time to time. And I remember being really enthused and joyful after these services. And I thought, this is what I need in my life now. So I've started coming to six o'clock where there are more youth. And that's true. This is what I've taken. I haven't given much. I have taken your joy and I have taken your enthusiasm and I have taken your, your just um, can-do attitude and your humour. Your sense of humour is great. So this is why I keep coming to six o'clock. As I said, haven't given much, but anyway, that was it. Now, God has given me some skills. Uh, he's given all of us some skills. I think one of the skills he's given me is to listen. And I love to listen to your stories. And I love to hear what your aspirations are in your life. And I love to, well, that's what I do. I want to be an encourager to youth, like Barnabas was. I get a bit lost. And uh, anyway, so that's what I want to do. I can cook, and I'd love to cook for you too. And I garden, but I'm getting a bit old for that because um, I've got these aches and pains and I'm breathless. So that's why I love to be energised by you at this six o'clock service because I go home feeling young and fantastic again after being enthused and made happy by you guys. Now, God told me at one stage that he wanted me to go and teach scripture in schools. And I said, I couldn't do that. I am not a teacher, God. I'm not a teacher. I'm a nurse. And he said, no, go and do it. I thought, all right, okay. So I helped Jean Windsor as a helper in her scripture classes. And I thought, oh, okay, maybe I can do this. So I was still down at St. Faith's and I ticked all the boxes down there and got accredited to be a scripture teacher. 
But what I learnt when I was teaching scripture was that the kids taught me more than I ever taught them because the grade twos, anyone here in grade two? Anyone here seven and eight? Righto. You are great because you are so open. You're a little sunbeam. And these seven and eight-year-olds, they feed back to you. They talk to you. They want to engage and they never forget what you've said. And then back to back, I was teaching grade five. Well, grade fives are grade 10, uh, 10 years old to 11 and they're sort of... Okay. So sometimes we cracked it and we got through and we had a great time. Because when I was telling the grade fives about prayer and how my granny taught me to pray, they really listened because I told them I was a little six-year-old and I was grumpy and I was selfish and my granny came one night to stay at my mum's house. Dad had built a house on Roseville Road, D.Y., which is now Warringah Road, Narrowena. And it's no longer any bush around, but that's where we were. And Granny came to stay and she was giving my mum a bit of a help, so she made the meal. And I was totally ungrateful. I was probably quite scathing, and six-year-olds can be like that. And I upset my Granny greatly. And she said, right, you are going to learn to be thankful and to stop whinging all the time about everything. You are a little heathen. (laughs) I remembered that word because I didn't know what it was. (laughs) So after tea, after our baths, into the room, and she's right, kneel by your bed, put your hands together. Well, I thought I was going to be smacked for being such a rude little twerp. I wasn't. And she told me how to pray, how I have to be saying thank you to God for everything he has given me. Thank you, God, for this day. And she said, God had made me. She said, God had made the world, the sun, the stars, the flowers, everything. It was such a revelation. So we prayed. And my little sister and I were there praying, thinking of all these things to thank God for. The next night, she just listened to what we said. And we had this great list of things. We were so enthused. We were on a roll. The next night, Grandma wasn't there. And my mum had to come in and listen to our prayers. So after 10 minutes, 15 minutes, she said, right, stop, stop, stop. Say amen because, you know, when you haven't thanked God for tonight, you can thank him tomorrow night. She said, it's time to go to bed. I think mum realised that she had been neglecting our spiritual growth. Because she found a Sunday school down Alfred Road, Narrowena. I think there's a Catholic church there now. And this elderly lady had opened up her wooden bungalow house for Sunday school. Anyway, we'd opened the house for Sunday school. And so my sister and I got in our Sunday best and off we'd toddle down this street. And that's where there were old people and young people and a big piano. And we learned how to sing. We learned onward Christian soldiers and we're allowed to march and building on the rock and not on the sand and it was just so good. Then we'd go into little groups and learn about God and Jesus and had Bible verses too and that's when God tapped me on the shoulder and I turned around and said oh hello God this is great and I was six. Without that elderly lady opening up her house it would have been a bit different. Now I said I was a nurse God made me a nurse and I never knew why. So I was lying in my bed about, 
was 17 and a half. I'd finished matriculation at Narrabeen Girls High. And I didn't know what to do. And this voice came behind me one night. It was like a suggestion. It was only two or three words. And it was, how about or try nursing? And I went, mm, okay, fine. So I went off to Royal Prince Alfred Hospital and I started my nursing career. And I was in that for about maybe 47 years. And each time, each time um, I get a bit bored with something or usually it was a change of management, I'd go off and study a different field of nursing. But God kept me in nursing and he kept his eye on me. I wandered away a bit, but he kept his eye on me. So I did general nursing and midwifery nursing and child health nursing and family planning. Then I came back to PA from Tasmania and I did um, operating theatre nursing. And yay, great. And then what happened? Anesthetic technician. Yeah, that's another thing. And then I joined Sydney Home Nursing and was nursing up at Taramurra. That was the best form of nursing I ever did. And then suddenly my husband became quadriplegic overnight. And amazing. That's why God had kept me in nursing all my life. This man couldn't move anything other than his eyeballs. For 10 months, he couldn't breathe on his own. He couldn't eat, couldn't do anything. And then he came home to me, this nurse who could do anything because she'd had all that training. And if she didn't know how to do it, she knew who to ask. How amazing is that? So can I say to you, if you hear God suggesting something to you, if you see him opening a door for you, Don't say, no, I'm not ready, you know, I don't think I could. Go ahead and do it because that's life. He's there, he's guiding us. And if God's with you, who can be against you? It's just going to work. And if you have all these different generations talking to each other about how God has affected you on your life, you know, as I said, I'm not here to give you advice, but I'm here to listen to you and maybe tell you. Yeah, this is what happened to me. I'm really keen to hear what happens to you, and that's, that's my story. Thanks, Julie. I think it's a great example of what we saw both in Psalm 78, of the way she has learned from people older than her, uh, and also what we've learned, that, that she's learning from younger people as well. And then even just a, a living testimony of what we are able to hear from uh, Julie then about the way the Lord's worked in her life and how that can encourage us uh, in our life and our discipleship as well. So that's the first two stories for the evening, and now I'd like to um, kick off the third one, uh, which is a baby dedication. So can you please welcome up uh, Andrew and Beck, Frakes and Harrison. <laughs> All right, welcome. Look at this little cutie. And Harrison, too. Um, all right, now, <clears throat> I, don't know what you, I don't know what you think of when you think of a baby dedication. Some people describe it as like a dry christening um, or like a strange ceremony. Maybe, I often, th- I used to think of it like a, the, the scene at the beginning of The Lion King where the monkey holds up uh, and everyone just like, oh, how cool is that? It's, yeah, there we go. Uh, it's actually none of those things. Um, a baby dedication is about a few things. Firstly, it's about God. 
It's about giving thanks to God uh, for the gift of this beautiful young life, right? Uh, Secondly, it's about the parents. It's an opportunity for the parents to come before us as the church and say, he is our child, uh, and we dedicate ourselves to bringing him up in the fear and nurture of the Lord. Uh, But it's also about us as family uh, and as the church congregation as we join part of Harrison's story and say, this is our child too. Uh, We may not be biologically related, but we dedicate ourselves to praying and encouraging and uh, helping this child come to know Jesus. Uh, And it's also about Harrison, or Sonny. I'll call him Sonny from now on, right? It's about Sonny. Uh, It's about you, mate, because we're here to celebrate the fact that God gave you to us and that we have the privilege of walking with you throughout your life. And even though you don't know what's going on right now, um, the prayers and the encouragement we offer you today, mate, uh, will hopefully set you up for a future uh, that will see you knowing the Lord and loving others in a wonderful way. And so we're excited to be part of this story together. Uh, Andrew and Beck have prepared a few answers to questions for us, and so I want to ask them firstly, how do you see your role as Sonny's parents? Um, so we see our role as Sonny's parents, obviously to provide for him physically, his emotional needs, but also spiritually, um, that we do share the faith that we have and think what we believe to be true. Um, and to do that, we need to um, model Christ's love, that is sacrificial love to him, um, but also in the way that we interact with others and the way that we model that to him. Um, yeah. Cool. And tell us about the family that you have here. What do they mean to you? Um, we've got my family and Andrew's family here tonight, as well as um, some close friends who we consider to be part of our family. Um, yeah, we, um, we can't really explain what they mean to us. Um, they've loved us and supported us throughout our lives. Um, many of them have been instrumental in, in our development of our faith and our walk with God. Um, and we just feel really blessed, um, blessed beyond measure that uh, we've been born into and are surrounded by people who support and love us and then in turn uh, just love Sunny. Mm, that's cool. And what about the church, the rest of the people gathered here tonight? Uh, what do you see our role in partnering with you? So we definitely see, um, yeah, the church as his wider family, um, those who we know will be part of his upbringing and, um, you know, filling the gaps where we fail and hopefully fitting into those and, um, you know, all these, you know, all these, you know, little ones down the front here will show him how to play and all the ones who are in prams and soon to come will be his little mates and um, really part of his life and we know that um, and we're really appreciative of the prayers we've already received and that we will, that we will get, so mm. yeah, very much part of his life. Yeah, cool. And we've, uh, we've already shared how God tells us that we can learn from young kids as well and, and even young parents in a crazy phase of life. And so what do you think, uh, Sonny, even though he's a baby, what role can he play in our church? And what about you as a young family? Um, well, we think um, part of Sonny's role is to bring joy. He um, brings joy to us. Um, and he, um, we hope that he brings joy to other people too. We also think that um, his role is to, um, he reminds us and hopefully reminds other people of God's goodness and, he, and his love and his generosity towards us. Um, and as a family, we'd love out for our role to be coming alongside people in a similar situation, but not necessarily that, but just other people and um, working as a family of three to love and support other people yeah. in, in this season, I guess. Cool. That's lovely. Uh, I've, I've been really encouraged by seeing uh, yeah, Beck and Andy over the last couple of months since ha- uh, Sunday's birth, just even being here at church, right? It's hard to come to church at the best of times when you've got like this small Hello. thing that 
poos and screams all the time. It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's hard. So I want to, yeah, thank you. It has been an encouragement to see the way God's continuing to work in your lives and build you as disciples during this time. Um, so I want to talk to you, everyone here now, right? Uh, as the body of Christ, we have a responsibility to these two, right? To be their witness on this occasion, to keep them accountable uh, to the dedication that they're making, uh, to commit ourselves to pray for them and for Sonny. And as grandparents and relatives and friends and babysitters and creche helpers and Sunday school teachers and youth leaders and Bible study leaders and so on, that we may be there one day uh, to continue to encourage and and lead him towards the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Uh, We want to recognize that this child, Harrison James Frakes, Sonny, uh, is loved by God, right? He's loved by God. Scripture makes that really clear. And, and that he's loved by us as a community. And in fact, those two things work together. Beck and Andy chose this verse, uh, these few verses from 1 John, verse, uh, chapter 4, 9 to 12. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Sonny, God loves you and we all love you as well. And we want to love you in such a way that helps you know God's love for you. So what I want to do now, this is a tradition we have at Narrabeen where we take the baby and run around the church with them, um, introducing them to a few different people. Hit and miss. Let's see how it goes, right? Is that right? He has filled his nappy with five days. Yes, that's all right. I smelt that. Um, that's all right. Oh, I've got some on my hand. There we go. Off to a good start, buddy. Now. How good's that? All right, let's calm it down. We don't want to spook him. You're a cutie. Sonny, here's some little kids. This is my daughter and some more. They'll probably, like, hang out with you and, like, like Dad said, teach you how to play. Uh, this man here is Garnet. Garnet prays for everyone and, and supports this church in an incredible way. So he's probably been praying for you since you were even thought of. So thank you, Garnet. Uh, who do we have here? Dave and Jenny. Maybe if they're still around when you're a young adult, you can come to their house for, for dinner on Sunday nights as well, right? That, that would be lots of fun. And here's Daniel. I'm sure he'll lead you in lots of things and other Daniel. Here's Leon. He's sort of the boss around here. Um, you're probably used to hearing his voice in utero and out of utero. And here's Julie. She's been able to share the stage with you tonight. What a blessing. Oh, and here, in this little basket, is probably, like, maybe your future wife, right? Um, calling it early. But, but pooing your pants around is not a good way to start, right? Uh, I want to take you around here to your family. And this is your family. Uh, these are the people who love you the most. You want to check that out? Uh, the ones, the ones who uh, have probably already cuddled you more than you even want to be. They've squeezed you and they've been praying for you and loving you. And these are the guys who are going to like, yeah, be there with mum and dad to love you and look after you for your whole life. And so you're lucky. Look at this room around you. Look at all these people. They love you and they want to be part of your life. And you didn't even cry, so thank you. I'm going to give you back to mum and dad. Um, <laughs> how good's that? <laughs> That's all right. Good. 
All right, that's excellent. Um, okay. Good times. Uh, Andy and Beck, God has placed a huge responsibility in your hands as parents of Sonny. Uh, the Lord says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and all your mind and strength. And these commandments, the truth of God, that I give you today to be upon your hearts and impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Have your life saturated with the word of God. And so with that in mind, I'm going to ask you some questions. Please answer in the, in the affirmative. Uh, will you, this day, affirm your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour? We do. And do you give thanks to God for his goodness to you in gifting you, Sonny? Yeah. Uh, and do you accept the responsibility of giving Sonny a home life that is warm and loving and soaked in the Word of God? And, uh, where's my next page? Is it your desire to set before Sonny by your actions and instruction, Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour? Yes. And as best as you're able, equipped and empowered by the Spirit, will you lead Sonny in God's ways? Yes. Excellent. All the right answers. Uh, and now I'm going to ask the family to stand. Family and friends that are like family, as Beck said before, please stand. And I'm going to ask you, uh, well, Sonny, these people, these people standing right now, they're close enough to love you in real and practical ways every day throughout your life. And so I want to ask you people who love Sonny so much, uh, will you promise to dedicate yourself to Sonny's welfare, to love him, protect him, and provide to support all his needs as a family? Fantastic. Please stay standing. And now may I ask the rest of the congregation to please be standing. Uh, as I said before, uh, this is something we're all participating in tonight. Sonny, look around at all these people who love you and are praying for you and who care for you. He's really chilled. Hey, how good is this? Um, uh, it's, our, it's our duty as a family to, to raise him up in the way of Jesus as well. And so as a sign of Christian love and friendship uh, and the church's partnership with Andy and Beck in the raising of their son, uh, do you dedicate yourselves to supporting and praying and being part of this little man's life? Wonderful. Now, please stay standing as uh, Glenn Clark, friend of the family, comes up to pray for Sonny and the family. Thanks, Glenn. Thank you. Oh, well, he's content. Why wouldn't you be after five days of brewing life? <laughs> I um, wouldn't, wasn't going to share this, but um, bring you greetings from uh, a mentor of mine who uh, fits in with this story. Um, I meet with Noel Edwards every um, oh. Wednesday. Yeah, so um, he was here this morning. He was here this yeah, morning. Yeah, it's just, he was, was ringing me when I was trying to keep the phone quiet. Yeah, just to. Con- <laughs> but um, so there you go. Like even outside of this circle, back in uh, Hawkesbury, where we're from, um, this generational thing has been passed on, and it's fantastic to be part of that and to be part of this. It's a great honour and privilege to be able to pray for Hunt, um, Harrison or Sonny or. I don't know, God knows, even though you don't. God knows his name. Um, I'm going to ask um, another generation, can I? Would Mike and Joe like to come up and just share this stage with me, uh, parents and other grandparents? Is that? You've seen it's a, a family generational thing, why not? You're a little champion. All right, so let's pray. Um, because you're part of this, can you just um, raise your hand toward young Harrison and, and just feel like you're part of this prayer? Because you are, you're part of this spiritual family. 
Father, we just thank you for this precious gift. And it's just a, a great gift to us. He brings us great joy. He's already doing his job. And so we thank you for him. We, we, we acknowledge that it's from you. And we acknowledge that you've um, created a space in him that is for you. And we just ask that from today on you would just fill that space to capacity. That he would just be uh, your child. That, um, Lord, yeah, there would be no um, self in him. That you would just fill the space completely. And we thank you for your love for him and for the family. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your sacrifice. And we've, we've heard that today that, uh, Lord, you, he wants to be raised knowing you, not just as his saviour, but as his friend and his brother. And, Father, we just pray that um, yeah, Jesus would just know, know him and uh, that he would walk with him, that he would uh, mo- follow his example of self-sacrificial love. We pray, Father, that... Um, the Spirit would just fill his life, that he would just have a great strength and a power that comes from you, that um, his whole life would be full of the fruits of the Spirit, that uh, when people see him, that he would just um, know him by his fruits, the love and the joy and the peace and the patience and the kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and the self-control that he has in his life. We just thank you for your work in his life already. And we just look forward to seeing his life unfold before him, the path that you have planned for him. We know it's going to be a great path. And uh, Lord, we just we thank you for the responsibility as a church. We thank you for his parents and we pray for them today, um, Beck and Andrew. We, Lord, we know it's not easy raising children. We know that we need wisdom and so I ask for wisdom upon them. I pray that, uh, Lord, they would know um, when, to, uh, when to let him go and make mistakes and when to hold him close and, and give him direction. And pray that, um, Lord, they would have your grace and, and your patience um, as he makes mistakes, that, uh, Lord, they would just encourage him. And we thank you for the, the greater family that's standing on stage. We thank you for their, their love for him and the support. And, uh, Lord, we pray the same for them, that um, they know, uh, they understand um, their role and uh, the wisdom and the, and the important part of support that they play for this family. We ask that you just strengthen them and give them knowledge and wisdom as well. And we pray for us as his greater family, the church. Father, that you give us um, a real, uh, real heart and real love, a real responsibility, a dedication and a devotion to raising this young man. Um, Lord, we've heard today it's about generations. And so we just pray that each one here will take that responsibility seriously about investing their lives into seeing this young man grow spiritually. And, uh, and see that generational baton passed on to others. And so, uh, Lord, we just pray for, as a church, we pray for um, real courage to um, actually stand in and then correct him when he's off, off the path and, uh, and real, just real love and acceptance of him as, as you made him to be. And so, Lord, we, just, uh, we know that uh, you've got great plans for him and we can commit him, Harrison, to you today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being part of this. Give the family a hand as they head back down.
We're going to continue to participate together now by singing and worshipping. Intergenerational is one way we participate. By being here is another way, and singing together is an excellent way as well. Regardless of how lovely your voice sounds, uh, the Lord loves to hear our praises, and we love to hear you singing alongside us. Uh, And so please, in a moment, we'll we'll stand to sing. Uh, During the first song, the offering will come around. If you're a member of NBC, then please... uh, Feel free to give. If you're visiting, please just let the bags go past. There's no obligation. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to stand and worship uh, the Lord together. We thank you, Lord, that you're a God who loves all of us, uh, that you're a God who spans generations and lifespans, and a God who reaches each of us where we need to be met. And so, Lord, I thank you for the stories we've heard tonight, uh, for the power of your word working in our lives, uh, working in this community here to make disciples. And we pray that as we worship you now uh, in song, uh, that we will bring praises that are fit for your wonderful name. We pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.